Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bavarian Podcast for what is your first flagship episode of the calendar year of 2023. We've rung in the new year, 2022, excuse me, gone, dusted in the history books. We saw a lot of things happen, highs and lows for Bayern Munich and for the German national team. I am joined today by the one, the only, the infamous, he who needs no name, I need no name, or as we like to refer to him as on this podcast, in for short. So in, how are you doing? I know it's even further into 2023 where you are uh, versus where I am in the States. I mean, what's the future looking like? Are you feeling optimistic? Are you feeling tired? Are you feeling kind of like just bleh? How are you doing? It's half past midnight over here. So I mean, <laughs> what would I be other than tired right now? But yeah, um, not much going on right now because it's been what? month since we had any real Bayern Munich content and it's it's weighing on me I wish we had some football to watch I know the EPL is back La Liga is back etc etc but that's not that doesn't stress the itch I want Bayern Munich I want the Bundesliga back but we have what two three more weeks left until that happens and I don't know man I don't know how much longer I can do this it's it's really it's really weighing on me it is tough. And even after one of probably I, you might agree in probably the greatest World Cup final I've ever seen in my lifetime, obviously did not help that Germany did not make it out of the group for the second consecutive World Cup on the heels of getting knocked out uh, by England in the Euros last summer in the round of 16. So yeah, even less so because there's such a heavy Bayern contingent every time uh, for the German national team. And they didn't even give us as many matches as we, as we were expecting. So I feel like German football fans as a whole, we've been kind of starved because the Bundesliga is one of the only leagues across Europe that still takes this break. And the matches are going to come thick and fast this calendar year when things get back underway starting on January 20th. But in the spirit of New Year's, and I thought we'd kind of look back at the calendar year of 2022 and kind of see, you know, what was it? I think a lot of us will know. I mean, it wasn't the best year. We fell short in the Champions League, got knocked out by Villarreal, despite having a better team on paper, got knocked out early again in the DFB Paul call at the hands of Borussia Mönchengladbach. Even this year, we've had some slip-ups, you know, not beating VfB Stuttgart in the Bundesliga, losing to Augsburg, Rafael Giekowitz pulling a Jan Sommer and just having an absolutely extraordinary game against us, failing to beat Mönchengladbach earlier in the Hinrunde because Sommer, ironically enough, was linked with us now, but we'll get into that decided to break a Bundesliga record for saves in a single like match. So in there were things that went wrong in 2022. And uh, let's face it, it could have been a lot better of a calendar year. So I just wanted to get a feel for, um, I know that you have a lot of things that you feel went wrong for Bayern. But if you could kind of just like touch on those in 2022, just reflecting, like, what do you think went uh, wrong for us? Obviously, only winning the Bundesliga, not going the distance in the other fronts uh, and having some bad results and you know, just uh, slipping up in places where we needlessly uh, or needlessly slipping up where we shouldn't have. So 2022, I think it'll go down as one of our most forgettable years ever as like buying mini fans, because like I would say the only worse year was maybe 2019, um, the year we got knocked out by Liverpool and the year that Kovac got sacked. But that did eventually lead us to a treble. So. Uh, that's that's a discussion for later. But the thing is that 2022, overall, it was tough to watch as a Bayern Munich fan. So many bad games, so many, just so many issues from top to bottom. We had, as you mentioned, that 
shock elimination to VRL that really not only dampened the spirits of the team, but it also hurt our reputation quite a bit, in my opinion, because it was the kind of thing that just doesn't happen to Bayern. Everyone expected us, maybe, even if we had gone through to Liverpool, if we had lost to Liverpool, that would have been something else. It would have been a Champions League semi-final. We would have said, okay, fine, they are one of the best teams in the world. That's that's acceptable. But when we lost to Villarreal, it did prompt a lot of introspection and soul-searching from this and, club and, and what it, it is. We should to add, too, yeah. that Villarreal was on the heels of RB Salzburg. And let's face it, yeah. in that Salzburg, first leg, we did yeah, not look like leg, ourselves. We did and, not. And it was night and day. Uh, yeah, second leg, second. to be fair, in the second leg also, we got quite a few penalties thanks to the referee. Yeah. So it, who knows what the second leg could have been like if we hadn't gotten those early penalties or if RB Salzburg had been more experienced to hold on to that good result they got in the first leg. But the thing is that just how the way we finished off the 2021, sorry, the 21-22 season, not great. Not, not amazing. Not like... We won the Bundesliga. We won our tenth consecutive title. But the fact that it only served to, you know, reinforce the narrative that the Bundesliga isn't competitive just yeah. leaves me feeling a little bit sour because it should be celebrated as this huge, wonderful, amazing achievement that has never been never ever been done before in the top five leagues. But instead it seems to be like Conversely, becoming some kind yeah, of we yeah, we were almost just kind of looking back, like, should we really be celebrating this? Because yeah, we should be celebrating. Yeah, and it's almost like it becomes a stick for others to beat us with because they say that look, look the Bundesliga is competitive, and uh, you win the league when you can't even beat seventh place team in Spain. Like that is, it's just a bad look for us and all of the Bundesliga when that kind of thing happens. So it's like even the things that went right somehow backfired on us then you had i would say the summer the summer most people call it a triumph but i would say that losing robert Lewandowski is still a major blow to Bayern munich as a whole i know that people are saying that look at how the team is playing right now look at how good how fluid nagelsmann has made the team but in the end we ended up going back to having chupa moting as a striker we ended up going back to a similar setup that we had before yeah. Lewandowski and, who, and honestly, who could have seen in? Would you have anticipated the solid run that he's had? Uh, so I wouldn't far this have. Season? I definitely did not see Chupa Moting's run coming. Yeah, but, I, did, I did not see that coming at all. But I did see what I did see is Bayern eventually, after going strikerless for a while, deciding that actually having a real striker is probably the way to go. So, like, maybe if Lewandowski had stayed, we wouldn't have had these conversations about who's going to be our striker next season. Do we buy someone new? Do we extend Chupa Moting? Again, that's another headache that's coming up. Chupa Moting only wants to be a starter. He wants a two-year contract. Again, that was one of the reasons why we couldn't extend Lewandowski. He wanted like a three-year contract. We were only offering him two. Now Chupa's wanting two. We are only offering one. Anyway, uh, should we yeah. give Matty Tell more minutes? Should we go after Harry Kane? Should we do this, do that? In the end, a lot of questions about the striker position all comes down to that one thing, which is the fact that Robert Lewandowski left. Now, I know that the second half of 2022 was not as bad as the first because you talk about our performances. We did see a level of football from Julian Nagelsmann that we had not seen in the year prior. And we did see the team as a whole maybe take a new, what should I say, a new step up in quality, as at least in terms of how we play 
at the final third, the link up play, the finishing, everything got a little bit better. And then there's the fact that Jamal Muziala, this is the year that Jamal Muziala really came to the forefront. Like he established oh, yeah. himself, yeah, as a superstar in 2020. We're, we're only at the yeah. winter pause in, and he's already yeah. pretty much met his uh, goals and assist tally that he had in the entire entirety of last season. And, yeah, and like, he's only I know that we 19, all can see so... one of the few bright spots for Germany at the World Cup in what was a very, very underwhelming collective. And, you know, he doesn't show any signs of slowing down. Yeah, what I would say is like 2022 was Muziala's year, right? If not for oh, him, we would have nothing positive to talk about because otherwise, like, look, we did have a good run in the Henrunda, right? But in the end, it got interrupted by the World Cup. And because of that, we don't know what our momentum will look like going into the next half of the season. And we also have no idea what the squad will look like because of so many key injuries happening right at the end. Like Lucas Hernandez, out for the season, right? That's huge. Mano Noir, again, out for the season, not just out for the season. There are doubts whether he could even resume his career. Then there's yeah. the fact that we can't even get Alex Nubel to come back. Like It seems like the bridges are burned on that end. That's mm -hmm. just bad news all around. Then you have the fact that Germany completely and utterly flopped at the World Cup. That's weighing heavily on the players' minds. You had Yozua Kimmich talk about how he almost feels personally responsible for what's happening to Germany and how that feels terrible as a for him as a player. Yeah. That kind and of then thing. I remember uh, writing the article about uh, Stefan Effenberg. He was saying yeah. he's really worried of that sort of uh, attitude and that underlying feeling of disappointment from the Bayern contingent is going to creep its way into Bayern squad because the minute you know, a few little things go wrong for Bayern, they're going to fall right back into that trap of frustration. And just like you said, Kimmich talking about feeling the weight of the world on his shoulders as one of the true leaders in the team, you know, they're going to feel that. And not only that, you know, the French contingent going the distance, mentally exactly. and physically exhausting themselves and falling short against Argentina. Mane, he has the, uh, the, the sour taste of not being able to go, picking up that injury against Werder Bremen just before. So there's a lot of negative feelings. So it's really going to be, Nagelsmann's job to keep the morale high and you know as Effenberg had alluded to like that's not going to be an easy job at yeah, all you actually made for, a good uh, point uh the thing I was gonna I actually forgot about Sadio Mane the situation that happened with him he is like isn't his situation also kind of a bit of a problem for Bayern Munich right now because like he is not he is not as good as maybe we would have hoped right and mm -hmm. his injury right near the end of the hindrance him not going to the World Cup, that's going to be a blow for him. He's going to need to pick himself up after that and maybe try and perform better in the second half of the season, which we need him to. But does he have it in him? Does he still have that? I don't know. Does he still have that motivation? Does he still have that fire, that energy? Who knows? Who knows what the mental effect will be on this squad? There are other players that we can talk about. Like, look at Benjamin Pavard, who has been increasingly yeah. erratic as far as... Uh, his 2022 was concerned. He had that DUI charge in the middle of the year. He's apparently feuding in the French locker room. He's not liked there and he does not want to stay at Bayern. He thinks that he should be moved to center back. He's too good for right back. And like, it's, it's a whole mess over there too. He does not want to stay. He wants to leave. And with his contract expiring, what, uh, in 2024, if I'm not mistaken, we have to sell him this summer otherwise we are not getting yeah. any money for him so and we, yeah we don't want to have him leave yeah. on a free just like the situation exactly. we had with uh nick lazula which we didn't exactly. even mention you know another outbound guy not 
as yeah. uh, much weight as uh, and figurative weight that is. It's not a Sula weight joke um, as Lewandowski, but still, like I think we can agree. Like a lot of us were shocked at how well he was doing at right back when he had to deputize there. Because let's face it, too, like some of it was growing pains from Julian Nagelsmann last season. But do you remember the beginning of 2022, the COVID cases, uh, Kimmich, you know, the vaccination stuff? Like, yeah, and you, like, Fonzie, how many, like, myocarditis, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, how many kids we had to field for that uh, yeah, opening it was just, game against it, like, Honestly, 2022 was just cursed. Like, right from the beginning, right from the outset, just one thing after another that just did not help us at all. In terms of years, like, it's weird. 2020, which most people will say is one of the worst years on record ever for most people living right now. It was a great year for Bayern Munich because we oh, was, yeah. absolutely steamrolled everything. We won a treble, even though there was a pandemic, and we became the best team in the world and one of the best teams I personally have ever seen on the pitch. Yeah. Compare that to 2022, everyone's lots of football going on, lots of great teams, lots of great teams playing, but Bayern Munich did not ever seem to be one of them. We had some issues with identity. We had some issues with consistency. We had some issues... I don't know, like at the top as well, because how should I say, we did do well in the transfer market, but the way that the Lewandowski saga happened with Barcelona and everything related to it, that was just so messy. It kind of put a bad, I will say, it just put a downer on me heading into the season. And I would say credit to Nagelsmann for pulling the squad up from that and getting the team to perform. But in the end, it was all for naught because the World Cup rolled around. All the momentum was halted. And then we ended up with these so many key injuries. And we also ended up with another unlucky draw in the round of 16. Despite coming first in the group, we ended up getting PSG, which is probably one of the worst draws you could possibly get in the round of 16. And and conversely, you can even talk about this because our opponents... In the Champions League, they happen to have star players who had great World Cups in comparison oh, to yeah. us. So the two single best players at the World Cup, and Mbappe yeah. and Messi. I mean, those guys ran the show for uh, both France exactly. and Argentina. So it's like pretty much everything that could have gone wrong in 2022, and even the things that did happen to go right in 2022, like winning the Bundesliga title for the tenth consecutive time. Everything seemed to just go against us in some weird way that. I don't know how to express it, but it's just like, I, I don't think I will ever talk about 22 again in a hurry. Like it's, it's not <laughs> uh, it, the only thing I think 2022 will be remembered for is Mozilla really making his name on the world stage as, uh, as for everything else. Absolutely not. Absolute, absolutely mediocre. Honestly, I would say. I think that uh, it is like you're, I think you pretty much already hit the nail on the head for 2022. It's like, all things considered, when you like contextualize it and talk about all the details and the things we've been discussing, it's like it really doesn't feel that we came out of that calendar year with a, a trophy. And as you mentioned earlier, like a record setting trophy for 10 in a row, like no one else has done that uh, in Europe. And there's some really, really great teams like, you know, your Juventuses of the world, you know, mid 2000s, early 2000s, like AC Milan's when they were, you know, at their at their heyday at the peak of their powers. Like there's been so many great. Uh, legendary teams across the top five leagues. And yeah, it's just like went a little bit unnoticed because even you look back on l last season, like I remember slipping up to Vauafel Balkum, uh, losing to them. And we were like, what the hell? Losing to Gladbach in the uh, Rukrunda so early on in the DFA Pokal. 
it's just like, you know, all these head scratchers and you kind of just, uh, maybe, I mean, I, you could take it for us. We're obviously a little bit biased since we cover Bayern Munich in Germany all the time. So we're very used to the successes and the, the failures and the, uh, the roadblocks, if you will stick out a little bit more, but it really did seem like there was an overwhelming uh, amount of those last, last year in 2022. And all things considered, we still lifted the Meisterschale at the end of the season, but it's going to be difficult in the start of the Rook Runda and, and going the distance. We still, we mentioned Luca Hernandez, even, uh, I know we didn't mention, but if you recall for Morocco's run, like New Sarah Masraoui, you remember there was conversations about uh, his yeah, fitness? Yeah, he was. Like he was rarely uh, yeah, able to go. Yeah, he had issues with like his pelvis and it, it wasn't good. He had like a hip injury kind of thing, but in the end, Almost similar to what uh, Muller was dealing with earlier this season. Uh, not exactly, because his one was more of a contact injury, and we don't know what right, right. Muller's issue was more muscular. Uh, oh, yeah, that reminds and, uh, me, Thomas Muller. This was the first year that Thomas Muller had significant muscular issues and had missed significant minutes. Before this, Muller has only ever missed like a few weeks. Like He missed more minutes in 2022 than he has in the rest of his career combined, and that includes right because like, like he always COVID. jokes, he's like, no, yeah. I don't have muscular injuries because I don't have a lot of muscle. You know, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then suddenly, that. suddenly he has been having lots and lots of muscular injuries. So and that's another to thing. Date, like uh, in we have this deadline of January 6th for a new keeper when uh, the training camp starts, and uh, we still don't, we still don't know who our starting. Yeah, we still don't is. know who it is going to be. So. <laughs> Just, just random like Neuer going on a skiing trip, getting breaking his leg. What the hell? What was that? Why would you ever do that? And it's just one after another. I don't think like you think about bad years for Bayern Munich. It's things that stand out. For example, twenty twelve, where we came second in every single competition that we played. Yeah. Right. That that was that was devastating. Right. In the sense that we were so close and we just didn't get over the line. Whereas 2022 in comparison it's not as devastating as uh, 2012 but it is also a lot more how should i say it a lot more bland a lot more disappointing in a sense because like there's nothing really to latch onto as a huge major i don't know success other than Muziala's development because like even the 10 10th consecutive title doesn't really feel all that special because of all the other things that happened around it Lewandowski and you know the injuries and this and that and all the other stuff so yeah i i think 2022 was just the most forgettable year and i i i'm in a huge massive hurry to move on from it well, and that's what we have to do because you know what? We can't rewind the clock. All we can do uh, is look forward to 2023 and what Bayern, where Bayern can go from here. So in speaking of 2023, the boys are back in training in just a few days time at the time that we are recording. Of course, we do not play a competitive match again until January 20th, which is away at RB Leipzig. And in, as I mentioned a little bit earlier in this episode, once that game comes, I mean, the fixtures are coming thick and fast. Like almost every couple of days we're playing. Just to kind of look at it real quick, RB Leipzig on the 20th, then FC Köln four days later, at home on January 21st, Eintracht Frankfurt January 28th, DFB Pokal, round of 16, just a few days later on February 1st at Mainz. And then just four days after that, VfL Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga on February 5th, 
And just a few days after that, Valafal Bauckham at home. And then in, guess what's right after that match just three days later is leg one of the round of 16 in the Champions League against PSG, PSG. followed by our bogey team, Gladbach. So, I mean... Oh, that's wonderful. That's just wonderful. <laughs> everything is going to be coming thick and fast. And this is a squad we already that is a have terrible, out for the season. Like, Hernandez that is, out for the season. That is Someone the else worst is bound to get ever. hurt. Yeah. And so in, I mean, I know that you like to approach things a little bit pessimistically, but 2023, I'll start off by saying, like, you know, I've been very impressed, particularly with Upamakano, how much he's grown. So that's something I am looking forward to, how he pairs with uh, Matthias Delict in the, the uh, center-back pairing how much Masrawi will continue to grow. But, I mean, it is bleak. We still don't know who the keeper is going to be. Jan Sommer from Mönchengladbach is the odds-on favorite, uh, but we still don't know if anything is going to fully get over the line. Um, so, in I know we're, we're kind of, we've closed the chapter on 2022 for what you've considered to be a bit of a mediocre year for Bayern, but 2023, I mean, the, the odds and the cards do not really seem to be stacked in our favor. Yet we are still at the top of the Bundesliga, pushing across all three fronts, which is where we want to be. But in it does not look very easy. It looks like it's going to be a long, 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 very difficult road. What are your, you know, what's your outlook for this calendar year? Because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's tough by looking you know, at the schedule. It's kind of ironic here because I'm going to say that I'm a little bit optimistic for 2023 because you think about it. Usually, Bayern Munich are very good at bouncing back from bad years. It's always been like this. You you look at 2019. 2019 was a bad year. Then what did we do in 2020? We come back, we win a treble. 2012 was a terrible year. Okay, what did we do in 2013? Treble. So I'm not saying that we're going to win a treble in 2023. I think that's maybe pushing it a little unless we get some world-class goalkeeper in the transfer market, which does not look likely at this stage. But I think that if Julian Nagelsmann keeps it simple, does not screw it up, and, you know, just, like, he can pick up the pieces of this squad's shattered mentality and the squad itself just motivates itself to show that they are capable of more than what they did in the World Cup, like, that can light a fire in them to make them go all the way, especially in like the Bundesliga and the Champions League, often just players like these, they need sometimes a little bit of disappointment, a little bit of criticism to really galvanize them to do more in the subsequent games and to do more as a whole in terms of, how should I say it, just like just to prove themselves and just get some, I don't know, regain their honor or regain their standing within uh, among the fans, among the footballing world, that's just a thing, right? And also, I will point out that one of the re- one of the good things about all our players, Sans, Upamecano, and Matsurawi being knocked out early in the World Cup means that they were all back very early from the World Cup, and they've had a very long vacation. They've had time to rest, to rejuvenate, to get the World Cup out of their system. So unlike every other top team in the world right now, Bayern Munich will be entering the second half of the season with a very well-rested squad. That, I think, could be very critical because we saw in the pandemic years how much of a difference rest can make compared to rhythm. I would say we we make a lot out of what rhythm and a team that seems to be clicking, what they can do. But rest, rest seems like 
the absolute key. And being in the Bundesliga, Bayern seems to have the most rest you can get out of any team in Europe. These players, they have been playing nonstop for years and years and years, summer tournaments all the way. This long one and a half month rest after the World Cup, it'll do them some good. Even if they have been wallowing in misery for the last four weeks, they will be back and their muscles will be looking to be stretched. And I don't think you should underestimate that. Fundamentally, right, we have a good squad. We have a good manager. I have had my complaints about Nagelsmann in the past, but that doesn't mean that I would think that he is a bad manager. I think he's made some poor decisions. I think he's going to probably make some mistakes. But overall, he seems to have learned some major lessons from last season. And because of that, there is a chance, albeit a very small one, that Bayern Munich could go all the way in certain competitions this season. I'm not going to jinx it by predicting that we're going to win everything, we're going to steamroll our opponents. It's way too early to say. We are literally recording this on January 1st. But, like, you know, what else? Like, it can't... It, it's not in Bayern's DNA to let it get any worse than this. Okay? You just think about us. You think about us as a club. What does Nissan Mia mean to us? It doesn't mean that we keep sliding and sliding and sliding. That's never been who we are. We always come back from the lows with astonishing highs, whether it be losing a game one day, then we come back the next week and just absolutely demolish the opponent, or whether it's just having a mediocre season and then coming back the next season and having just romping to as many titles as it is possible to win. These kinds of things are what characterize Bayern Munich as a team. And I would say, based on how bad 2022 was, 2023 has the potential to be almost as good like as how bad 2022 was. Now, I'm not saying that it will reach the highs of, say, for example, 2020 or 2013, but it can have the potential to be a good year. Now, there are some caveats to that. First of all, we need a proper keeper in the... January transfer window. We don't like making 100%. yeah, we don't like making transfers in January. It's always been against our modus operandi, but this year, this year it has to happen. This year, I don't care who it is, but it has to be someone good. If yeah. it's Alex, it's like this yeah. weird balance, you know, our front office, Savia Hamadic, Oliver Khan, they've stressed they don't want to rush into a decision that they might regret later, yet they have a preference to a German speaker and they've said that they want this next keeper to be long-term, not just a stopgap for Manuel Neuer and the rest of this season. So it is very hard. You know, I, I think prospective keepers are sort of worried, like hey, like, hey, when he's fully fit and Oliver Kahn is saying Neuer can play until he's 40, which is another couple of seasons at the highest level, like what does this mean for my stature at the club once he's back fully fit? And I'm sure that's a thought that's racing through Nubel's head and you know, Lee Gunn has already started back up and he got a 3-2 uh, win, I think, against uh, Auger or Auger. Like, I don't know how to say it in French, but Monaco, basically, they won their first game 3-2. He started and played the full 90. So, Lee, it's it's an odd mix that Lee Gunn has already resumed and he's back starting. And, you know, he's a de facto number one at, at Monaco. So why would he want to leave that uh, when they're actually pushing to get in a uh, Champions League spot? And, you know, so there's a lot of a lot of moving parts to that. But, yeah, I mean... The clock is ticking in. I mean, we need to get something sorted fast. And thing I is, know that the, I would the say, front office says they don't want to rush it. But I mean, you know, tick, the front tick, tick, office has been kind of 
contradictory on this point. Like they have, the German yeah. media, the German media can't get it straight what the front office really wants. Sometimes you're talking about maybe getting someone who is more long term, someone who can stay and maybe replace Manuel Nora down the line. Sometimes it's talking about maybe getting a short term replacement, like someone like Jan Sommer, who will just be here for maybe one or two seasons. And then and the only denominator really is across yeah. the press is that Sven Ulreich is not the number it's one not guy. And they, the they don't guy. want to rely it's, on him. They don't yeah. want to rely on him. And that's at least we agree on that. It would be pretty <laughs> awful if the bosses thought that Sven Ulreich would be appropriate for going into the second half of the season with like, Look, I don't hate Ulreich. I think he's a fine backup keeper, but that's what he is. He's a backup. He should not. Well, I mean, be... if you if you think like, you're like going the distance in three fronts, just remember to that 2018 against Real Madrid. You know, exactly. he doesn't make like, that mistake. And honestly, he could have been in he the final good. against Liverpool. He was good in that season. You know, mm-hmm. he was actually yeah, having he had a good be, season. Yeah. That, that um, it's just that one game where he messed up. But the thing is that like you can't go far in these tournaments without like a at least a top-class keeper, or at least a top-class shot-stopper. So I understand why the bosses are saying these things, but they keep saying contradictory things like, for example, they say that they don't want to rush into a decision, but they they, they also put down, uh, what do you say, a deadline for when the keeper yeah. issue needs to be sorted. In the meantime, we also have no concrete reports of Bayern Munich really negotiating with anyone. Talks with Nubel are ongoing, but I get the feeling that Nubel has absolutely zero desire to come back to Bayern Munich while Manuel Neuer is still here. And in fact, I have the feeling that Nubel is perfectly com- content where he is at Monaco and he has no desire to return regardless of what happens with Neuer's future. Well, and let's remember too, like him and his agent, how hard they had to work to get him that loan spell. Yeah, he was, uh, it was you know, like... It's such a weird mess with everything that was agreed with his contract yeah. when he joined from Schalke Nofia. You know, yeah, with it's like just eight to nine of, matches. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's just the fact of like we promised him game time when we first signed him from Schalke, which is why he came here, and we broke that promise. So the trust is irrevocably damaged. Now we cannot yeah. promise him anything at all that Noble will believe. So because of that, I understand why he doesn't want to come back here, especially since reports in the German media indicate that Neuer has absolutely no intention of giving up his starting spot. He plans to be yeah. back starting for Bayern Munich next season. So... Okay, no problem. All the strength to him. But for this season, this particular season, that's a major headache for us. Not only does it scare off any potential goalkeeper candidates we might want to sign, it scared off the goalkeeper candidate we had in the wings to replace Neuer one day. And it's also making just the squad planning a whole massive mess. I think that if we do get it sorted, like it's too, it's still again too early to say how this will end up. I think we will eventually maybe sign someone like Jan Sommer or Bono or someone like that. Someone will eventually show up and I think they will be passable. I think it's not going to be as big a deal as it would have been in recent seasons because I should point this out, coming into the World Cup, Bayern Munich's defense and the defenders in general, they were doing quite well, weren't they? Mm-hmm. You think of Alfonso Davies, Nusser Matsraoui, Dad Ubepakano, Matias Delict, even with the absence of Lucas Hernandez, these four were doing really well. And even Benjamin Pavard was doing well as both a right and back Masraoui and a center back. Masraoui in particular, 
in the Champions League is where he stepped up. Remember when Pavard yeah. got injured Pavard got in that injured first leg and... against Barcelona, and he stepped up, and that was probably one of his best performances of the season. Yeah, he was uh, shutting down everything on that flank, and he was coming. He came on cold because like he did not have even time for a warm up, and that was a game where Barcelona pretty much dominated, right? So yeah, if Le- Levy like... had scored those chances early on, could have been way different. Yeah, it but could have been what? a he completely missed. different game. He yeah. missed in his own his own uh, or his old uh, stopping grounds, ironically enough. Yeah, so I would say that actually compared to recent seasons, Bayern Munich's defense does not need a goalkeeper on the level of absolute prime Neuer to bail them out all the time. We just need someone that is decently better than Ulreich, someone who is good, who can make the difference on those 50-50 chances and, mm-hmm. you know, just get and us over the not, line. And, and not be a disaster. Uh, yeah, and just, not be a disaster. Right? And hey, maybe, maybe like, obviously Neuer, I feel like, gives us uh, many heart attacks, at least one per game, with how he comes out and some of the, the uh, you know, situations he gets himself in. And in, I mean, for you, I don't know if you agree um, and you personally want Sommer to be the guy, but I mean, that figure that's been touted around, 5 million euro, I mean, yeah, is that not a steal or is there a bit, yeah, that's a bit a, of a catch That's pretty much there? it, right? The thing is that Sommer, when he's not facing Bayern Munich, he's not as good a goalkeeper. But <laughs> yeah, that's a weird one. Yeah, that's it? he's got to so pretend knows, he's just like who playing knows, us. Who knows how that that's gonna work? So maybe we need to shoot. Like maybe he'll be a god in training by playing against Bayern Munich players in training every day. But the thing is, just as a whole, thinking about twenty twenty three as a whole, because of how our defense has improved under Nagelsmann this season, I think that Neuer and Hernandez missing out is not as devastating as it would have been in previous seasons. Like for example, last season and. On top of that, there is the fact that we seem to be much more settled than we were coming into 2022. We seem to have a proper setup. We seem to have a good idea of where everyone should be playing. We seem to have good depth in positions other than defense. Like, for example, we have in midfield, we have Kimmich, Goretzka, Gravenberg, and Sabitzer. That's a that's a pretty solid midfield if you think about it overall. In attack, so many players. We have Muziala and Muller for the attacking midfield spots, Gnabry, Mane, Sane for the wings. Then we have Chupo and Matitel for the striker position. So a lot of talent to choose from there. And they're all mostly evenly matched in terms of performances. It's not like one player is, maybe Muziala is. Muziala is head and shoulders ahead of everyone else right now. But aside from that, it seems like everyone is mostly evenly matched. Nagelsmann, it seems like he can pretty much send any kind of 11 out there and expect them to get the job done, even against a very tough team like PSG. And I think that's going to be our trump card this season. The fact that we are settled, the fact that we seem to have a setup that works, and the fact that we have a defense that is quality in all the right ways. Upamakano being good is like... It's overdue, in my opinion. Like he, yes. if he had been like this in last season, no one would have ever questioned why we signed him because this is the guy we wanted, right? When Upamakano is on form, he is the perfect center back. He is capable of everything: aerial duels, passing, dribbling, speed, power. He has it all, right? He he has everything you want from a center back. Then you have Matthias Delict. I would is, tell you timing as well. Like timing, he had yeah, some beautiful he timing, timing challenges. Pos- at timing, the positioning, everything. He's so good at all of it. He is almost the perfect defender that you can think of. He almost reminds me of a younger 
uh, Jerome Boateng before the injuries, like just took yes. him out of took him out of commission eventually. But then you have Matisse Delict, who kind of complements Upa because where Upa is fast, Matisse Delict is kind of slow. But Delict ha- is very good at positioning. He's very aggressive. That's both a uh, positive and a negative, in my opinion. But yeah, he's aggressive. He can marshal the back line. His passing is just as well. I was just going to get to that. He can pass really well. <laughs> yeah, and then in the air, he is absolutely dominant in the air. He's probably our best header of the ball overall, right? And he's that's one of the things that Upa and Hernandez kind of lack is that superior aerial presence inside the box against, you know, opposing center backs or against, you know, someone like I wouldn't I wouldn't know, someone like Van Dijk in that kind of <laughs> that caliber of player if if I make I'm making any sense. So you are, that's yes. where Matty yeah, so Matthias Delict has the presence to just dominate the box aerially and that gives another dimension to Bayern Munich's play, which we needed, right? We did not need another ball playing quick passing centre back who can't head the ball. We needed someone who could really dominate aerially and Delict was the guy. So in terms of squad construction, this is a good squad. This is not a squad that should be knocked out in the round of 16 of the Champions League, even if, you know, Messi, Suarez, sorry, why am I saying Suarez? Messi, Neymar, <laughs> Mbappe, uh, even with these guys being against us, the, it's still not um overwhelming advantage to PSG. At best, yeah. I would say it's, what, 60% in their favor sitting here right now, just guessing because we have seen how good Messi and Mbappe are recently, whereas our last view of most of our buying players were just languishing in that terrible Germany setup fielded by Hansi Flick. So just based on that, I'm just going to give the advantage to PSG, but it's not a major advantage. And anything, lots of things, in fact, can change between now and February. And I would also point out that when we got knocked out by PSG in 2021, our first leg was at the Allianz Arena and the second leg was away in Paris. This time we're facing PSG, our first leg, is in Paris, and the second leg is at yes. the Allianz Arena. And last time we faced PSG, we got knocked out on away goals. This time, no away goals rule. So yep. those things, those things could also factor in our favor. And then after that, obviously, it depends on how the draw goes. But it's, I think, all of these factors go together to paint a better picture of 2023 than what 2022 gave us. Well, and, and you mentioned the odds being 60% in PSG's favor, but. I wanted to go back to a point that you touched on earlier about, you know, there's the argument versus players being well-rested versus having momentum and rhythm. And I think we shouldn't just going through the list of players of guys that either didn't go to Qatar or got back early. So obviously the German contingent, you have Kimmich, Goretzka, Gnabry, Muller, Leroy Zane, Neuer, but obviously he had decided to go and break his leg. De Ligt, who actually didn't really play that much for the Netherlands. Pavard, as well, didn't really play too much. masrawi has been back. Chopo Moetang has been back for quite some time. Mane obviously didn't go. Upamakano and Coman Hernandez before he was injured. And then uh, Pavard, obviously, the only ones uh, who really went the distance. But obviously, the latter didn't play too much. So we'll have a lot of very, very fresh guys. And just the point you made where you, you, you were saying you would almost prefer players being well-rested, I'm going to have to agree with you there too, and because just keeping an eye on some of the results that have happened in some of the European leagues since most other leagues have resumed play right after the World Cup, right? Like even PSG 
like barely, barely, narrowly scraping by uh, Strasbourg in uh, League One exactly. in their first they, match back, I think and they're in the relegation card, zone. Didn't they? Yeah, yeah, Neymar, he got the two yellows within like two minutes, and it took an Mbappe penalty very, very late on to save them. Uh, and like I said, yeah, I think Strasbourg is uh, hovering down the relegation zone in League One. Barcelona, that match, they dropped points. Uh, each side got a red card. I don't remember who it was. Uh, and even Man City yesterday dropping yeah, points to yeah, Everton. To and Everton, Everton could have very which is easily... So weird. And yes, they did beat Liverpool in the Carabao Cup, but even <laughs> Liverpool, I mean, they have a lot of people out and, uh, you know, it was one of those, you know, there's like some of the names you don't even know uh, as a Liverpool fan when you were seeing the team sheet. And of course, it was like Holland, who scored in both of those games, set more records, but obviously he's a guy who had a lot of time off, didn't go uh, to the World Cup with Norway, obviously, and Odegaard the same way. Uh, I think Odegaard scored yesterday for Arsenal, who Arsenal are just on a tear. But I, so I have to agree with you there, like at this point, with how quickly uh, and quick succession the matches are going to be coming in the Rukrunda, as well as the uh, not only Bundesliga, but Depe Pokal and Champions League, that will be working in our favor because I think we're already seeing the early stages of what can happen with that mental and physical fatigue with uh, some of the big clubs and, and the, the stars that were at the World Cup for quite some time and teams that had quite a few of those guys uh, at the World Cup for quite some time. So I, I definitely have to agree with you there, and I do think that will ultimately work in our favor and it's just you know keeping the fingers crossed that no one else really picks up a major injury that keeps them on the sidelines for a considerable spell but i know as a Bayern fan that's oftentimes too much to ask of the injury gods but um we're both sounding pretty optimistic for 2023 in agreement of the fact that we do enjoy the fact that a lot of these guys are so well rested i think that will play a huge part because you know momentum is one thing but you know, we can start the Rukrunda with a win away at RB Leipzig, and that can be the momentum that we need. Uh, and we did end the Hinrunda on a bit of a on a bit of a good run because remember we had those four matches without a win in the Bundesliga, which is like the first time in what in like how many years that that had happened for Bayern? Like it was quite some time, and you know the alarm bells were ringing, and we were all ready to hit the crisis button, and then we we turned that around sharply, and Chopomoteng went on his fine run of scoring in consecutive matches, uh, like we had mentioned earlier we weren't expecting that to come from him so it was kind of a pleasant surprise and that you know came after that poor run had come after the beginning of the season where so many different guys were scoring and we looked like a, a new look Bayern side without Lewandowski uh Domenico Tedesco before he was sacked by Leipzig he s- described it as like arrows coming at you from all different directions so you don't even know how to dodge them or stop them um so yeah I would say it has to be has to be very very optimistic for 2023 and i don't know if you had any last things to add to that yeah i just basically had two more things to add basically one thing is that we discussed this back in what early in the hindrinder where we said that this Bayern munich attack the way that this Bayern munich team or attack is set up it is not really a team that will do well in league play it's gonna struggle more in league play but in big games and teams against teams in the champions league and we kind of saw that in the group stages against teams in the Champions League. This is an attack that really comes into its own and starts to find its spaces against teams that will prefer to come out and come out and attack you, which is far fewer in number in the Bundesliga compared to the big teams in Europe. So it might be that Nagelsmann, the setup that he has, is actually matching up better the further we go into our respective competitions. The second thing I just wanted to point out, a lot of this depends on how the players respond to the disappointment of the World Cup. If they use it to galvanize themselves, pick themselves up, show the world what they can really do, then I think we are in for a treat. But if they use it 
to, you know, just get frustrated, you know, just wallow in self-pity, that kind of thing, then we might be in trouble. That is going to be Nagelsmann's number one challenge and a very unique challenge at that. He has essentially to massage all the egos of these players for something that is essentially not really his fault. But he needs to figure this out. He needs to somehow galvanize his team, get the vibes going, get the good vibes in. And only then will, in my opinion, Bayern Munich be capable of success. Right now, I would say the potential is all there. Like, you cannot say that Bayern Munich, as a squad, as a team, as an institution, it does not have potential. The potential is there to do anything possible. Okay, it's not like we are Augsburg. You cannot say that Augsburg are going to win the treble anytime soon. But Bayern <laughs> Munich, anything is possible, right? Just We just need a few good months. We just need a few good games, in fact. So that is just my takeaway from this. We have everything we need to get it done. We just need to do it. So there is a decent chance that 2023 could be a good year if we just show our Bayern Munich quality and we manage to bounce back. And I think that's my final word for this. Pleasantly, I'm going to have to agree with you because I think uh, listeners of this podcast know that I'm usually always airing on the side of the glasses half full. So I'm going to have to agree with you there. And I'm very optimistic for 2023. I want to be, uh, especially as a football romantic. I believe in this team. I believe in the side. For all the things that you just mentioned, we have the quality there. uh, And there's no excuses as far as not being able to go the distance and really put those puzzle pieces into place uh, from Nagasman's perspective, you know, getting the right keeper over the line. And once that's done, we could definitely go the distance and uh, really do some damage and see a very, very positive brand of Bayern Munich football for uh, the remainder of the season. And, and that's what I'm hoping for. And that's that's what the expectation is. We might be let down. But again, as you mentioned earlier, there's not many better sports franchises, let alone football teams that I think respond better to their backs being against the wall. I think Bayern is uh, one of the best teams at doing that in football. And, you know, it, it's truly remarkable at times what they're able to do in that sense. But in, I think that's a good place to end this podcast. We're starting off 2023 with very, very strong, positive, optimistic vibes. I like that. I want to keep that ball rolling. But again, everybody, <laughs> I hope everybody listening had a fantastic new year, enjoyed their holidays and is equally as optimistic for 2023. Thanks again for listening to this episode with both myself and in. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on Spotify, Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, whatever streaming platform you do use to listen to your podcasts and Bavarian Podcast Works. Always be sure to check our website for Bayern Munich and German football news at BavarianFootballWorks.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at BavarianFBWorks, at BFWN, myself at TommyAdam71. And until next time, which I'm not sure exactly what the episode will be, but there will be a next time. Thanks again for listening. Auf Wiedersehen.